0: Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K, now on KO.
1: Welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com, delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 98, the Brian Bellows or former Yes Apogliarvi edition of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger and fresh off the IR, oh. pulling himself off of
2: the mat, Frank Saravalli. Frankie, how you doing, my friend? I've had better weeks, to be honest. Uh, Tested positive for COVID on Monday. Today's Friday, so it's day four. Uh, I'm feeling okay today. The weird thing about COVID is you have these stretches where you feel fine, and then like 10 minutes later, it's punching you in the face again. So I'm kind of hoping that's not that moment. Uh, Yesterday was actually the roughest day so far. Um, but I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm knocking on wood that I'm, I'm through the worst of it. I kind of had one day of, of the fever and aches and chills. And since then it's been like headache, uh, fatigue and like real, like significant congestion and some, some chest tightness. So, um, it hasn't been fun, but, uh, My house is mayhem at the moment. My wife isn't feeling so well as well. And we have two little kids. So it's kind of been crazy here, but just trying to stay away. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Um, Have you lost taste of smell? I have. Yeah. I lost taste and smell actually two days ago. So actually I'm hoping that's a built-in weight loss plan. (laughs) Yeah, my buddy had it. and He was just like, you, you can't, it's hard to explain
1: to anybody who has taste how suddenly when you don't have taste and literally you can look at something and it's just like, well, this, like it tastes like nothing. It's hard to wrap my head around
2: that until you've experienced it. All right, so I have a great example, actually, and it's going to sound funny. I was just, you know, watching TV last night I said, you know what, I'm going to have an ice cream sandwich. Okay. And I'm like, so I'm sitting there and I'm watching TV and not really paying attention. I can kind of feel like the texture in my mouth and I'm eating it. I'm like, this is the weirdest experience ever. I know there's like cold chunks of ice cream sandwich that I'm eating, but I have no idea what it tastes like. And I don't even know why I'm even eating this. Like why am I having calories at the moment when I really don't need it? (laughs) And then, by the way, you want to know the weirdest part about COVID is like when your friends and family find out that you have it, like everyone has some kind of ridiculous suggestion for you. <laughs> no way. Like, like uh, okay, so like my one buddy's like, hey, uh, I really, you know, when I had COVID, what really helped me was hot water with lemon. And I go, okay, great. Then someone else is like, hey, try this black seed oil. Like, okay, sure. Um, you know, someone was like, hey, why don't you get on your Peloton, sweat it out. I'm like, buddy, I don't even use my Peloton when I'm healthy. <laughs> so not doing that. Uh, and then I, you know, everything that's popped up, I've sort of been willing to try some nebulizer breathing treatments. Like it's only weird if it doesn't work. Right. And then like someone else is like, Hey, why don't you try vix uh, Vicks vapor rub, you know, rub some on your chest. And then when you're done, take your socks off, rub some on your foot, and then go to sleep, put your sock back on and go to sleep. Yeah. And so I go, now I look like I just jacked off an elephant. I'm covered in Vicks vapor up. What do I do now? And now I'm supposed to go to sleep. Oh, okay, good. Like I'm telling you, everyone has some kind of suggestion on how to get through COVID yeah I, honestly i have none frank so i can't offer you any um but
1: any of our listeners feel free to at frank's air valley your your best
2: COVID. <laughs> like seriously it, it's it, it's unbelievable but like the truth is no one there's no answer i wouldn't think so like, everybody's different. you just you just sit there and, and try and get through it as best you can no uh, now frank if you ever need
1: a cold remedy that I'm I'm your man on that one, but because uh, you know I've had a few, I know how to get through them. Uh, one does so what, involve. A, what's your the, secret? Well, I've so my wife, my wife when uh, we were engaged, uh, I was staying over at her house, and obviously because of my job, I can never have a sore throat, and so I'm pretty I'm pretty kind of it's the only thing that I'm anal about, and um, that's so the with, only thing. That's the only thing, like really. No, I'm pretty I find this hard about, to believe. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty laid back about most things. But that's okay. the one where if it happens, I'm like, okay, I'm on it. And so my number one thing is of course I gargle a ton, but I gargle with salt and cayenne pepper. Okay. And you start with a little cayenne pepper and then you put in a little bit more. You don't want to burn your throat. And that's a big one. And I'll do it like, you know, I'll do a whole glass. So that's five, six mouthfuls, gargle, whatever. And I do that literally every hour for like a day. And usually that stops it. But if I have a cold and my wife, so you got to remember we're engaged. In the middle of the night, I get quiet. I go in because I'm having a coughing attack. So she comes in the uh, in the kitchen. I have a T-shirt on because I put I put Vicks VapoRub on my chest. But then I put a T-shirt on because it keeps you sweating. And then I, I put it on my throat and I wear a bandana around my neck. Right. And because I was anal about it, I put the old Vicks in the in the pot and you boil it. Right, you have a yeah, yeah. towel over your head, and you and it, so she walks into the kitchen like three thirty in the morning, and I'm standing there. I got and because I like to sleep buck, so I only had the shirt on, the bandana, Aww, and dude. she's like what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I got a cold. Like I was so, she's like, and you talk like it was, this is a normal thing for a human being to do. And I was like, guess what? Woke up the next day, felt way better. She still laughs about it, but I'm like, Hey, anytime you have a sore throat or a cold, that's what you do. It's money in the bank. It works every time. Oh, that's a little more than I bargained for there with that. But yeah. Well, dude, you're jerking off an elephant. So, Hey, come on. Yeah, I
2: mean, it's true. Like that's what I felt and looked like. So like, I, I, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's uh. COVID is, is a strange, strange beast. If anyone's been there, the headache that you get, like I, I had full on conversations yesterday. Like I had no idea what I was even talking about. Yeah. That's what I've heard. It can be legit brain fog legit. And so I'm sure at some point during this pod, I'll be like, Hey, get it together. Yeah. All right. So, um,
1: let's talk, uh, lots of hockey talk. First of all, um, I'm I'm hearing that the the NHL or at least the Evander Kane camp believes that the NHL might be close
2: to some sort of decision here. What do you think? I've been, as I mentioned, a little bit out of the loop this week. Um, I think the ball has been in the NHL's court to sort of make a judgment on what's coming and to at least be fair to any team that would be potentially signing him to give them at least some kind of heads up as to what may or may not be coming in terms of discipline. Um, I think the Kane camp itself has been um, optimistic, if not potentially overly optimistic about what they believe is happening. Um, So I've, I've viewed it, you know, and, and I mentioned this before, it's been reported a lot, that it's, it's up to the cane camp to decide when they sign. I don't personally believe that to be the case. I don't think any team is signing him until they know that he's in the clear. So yes. um, until that happens, then I think it's wait and see mode. Yeah, I, I agree. I've, I've, I've actually
1: spoke to a few teams who are exactly in a holding pattern. They don't want to sign a guy if all of a sudden you sign him and, Four days later, he's suspended for a significant amount of time. Um, you mentioned the word optimistic, and that's what I keep hearing is they believe maybe that no supplemental discipline is coming. So it'll be an interesting one. If he does become a free agent You know, on the ice, he's a highly sought after commodity. Off of the ice, obviously there's some concern. So uh, the teams will have to balance it out that way. Um, when, when things go wrong, sometimes they go even, uh, like you wonder where rock bottom is. Um, The Edmonton Orders uh, blew a 3-1 lead against the Ottawa Senators last week. And that was the 30th place Senators. First time all year that uh, Edmonton had blown a lead when leading after 40. Uh, They lose 6-5. Then they have uh, Florida last night at home. Uh, They outshoot Florida. I think it was 16 to seven in the first period. Sergei Bobrovsky looked like a Vesna trophy winner. He kept his team in the first. That's what you have good goaltending for. And then Florida got a power play. They score. They end up uh, rolling up some late power play goals and destroy the orders. Six, nothing. And so, of course, uh, I wrote the article earlier this week, Frank, about like, it's easy to say fire the coach. It's an easy thing to do, but it's who you're going to replace him with. What's going to happen? You could fire the coach and you tweeted out a tweet last night uh, regarding the philadelphia flyers right they they fired their coach elaine Vigneault when they were winless in nine then they lost the next one they went winless in 10 right with mike yo and now here we are they actually went on a seven game point streak after that yeah and then here we are now they're on their second 10 that was a great stat second 10 game winless streak of the season and
2: they've only played 40 games so you know coaching doesn't always work uh vancouver it's only the that- third time ever in the salary cap era that a team's had two in one season and it's never happened in the first half. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, so like Vancouver, it's worked.
1: Philly, it hasn't worked. Uh, we can go through some teams that work, some teams it doesn't. Um, Ken It's Holland, always going to be a mixed bag, I think. Yes, 100%. There's no, there's no, you can hope, like obviously fans of the team that's struggling, they'll look at the Vancouver's and say, see, it works. And uh, they never rather work about the Philadelphias or the other teams. So Ken Holland and the Edmonton Orders, is there a change coming before their Saturday game against the
2: Flames? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, something has to give at some point point. and as patient as Ken Holland has tried to be, whether it's a trade for a goalie or it's a coaching change and, and probably a significant one in the sense that it wouldn't just be um, Dave Tippett. I don't think that you can't continue on like this. Like, you know, you mentioned rock bottom. I think if you're the Oilers, you have to hope that this is it. <laughs> like the last show I did on Monday before testing positive with Tyler, we, that was one of the su- subjects we talked about on the daily face-off show Oilers rock bottom. And I was sitting there and I was like, eh, I don't know if they've hit it yet. And that's kind of really the scariest part. And, and we talked immediately after, you know, the, the loss to the Sens in Monday's pod about, well, they've got Florida next. Good luck. And, the fact that they looked as good as they did in the first period. And then it's just wheels fall off after that can't happen. Like you need more pushback. You need, by the way, you need a a point from Connor McDavid, three straight games without a point. Third, it's the third time that's happened in the last four years. So a rare occurrence, but nothing's working. So if you don't, if you aren't convinced that there is a, a real difference maker on the goalie front that you can trade for. Then I think you're at the point where, you know, just sitting here saying, Oh, we'll get through this. Isn't going to work. Yeah. And that's why the, the coach, it's, it wasn't his
1: decision, but it's his problem, the goaltending. And with Mike Smith being injured this year, that's obviously uh, played a significant role. And I think what their plan was uh, Miko Koskinen is what he is. He's just not a starting goaltender. Um, You know, Stuart Skinner, if he didn't have COVID this week, like you, Frank, I'm guessing he might have started. Would he been better? I don't know. But when you watch the game last night, it's it's the coach. I don't care who the coach is. The Edmonton Orders didn't give up a whole bunch early on, but Bobrovsky was unreal. And that's where you need a goalie every now and then when your team is just not ready or the other team is more prepared that your goalie can keep you in games. And that's what good teams have. Good teams, it's not a surprise to me that good winning teams have a really good goalie who can steal a period every now and then and it keeps your team in it. And sometimes that happens, you know, like Bobrovsky's got points in nine straight games that he started. So he's obviously very good. He's got a save percentage hovering around 925. He's he's been excellent. And, you know, Ken Holland, when when I was thinking about it last night, I'll go back and I said, everybody talk about, well, you know, he tried for Markstrom. Okay, but he didn't want to give Markstrom an extra year. However, this past summer, he gave Nugent Hopkins eight years and Zach Hyman uh, seven years, right? The max they could get for either guy. And you're like, well, and Darnell Nurse got eight. So you're like, well, you wouldn't do it for a goalie, but you would do it for defensemen and forwards. That seems a little bit contradictory, does it not?
2: It, well, yeah. And I don't want to hear anything about I tried to get a goalie. It's like, yeah, I tried to lose weight last summer too. I mean, like, come on. Like, trying doesn't matter. It's the end results that matter. You know, you can try on Darcy Kemper. You can try on Tristan Jari. You can try on Jacob Markstrom. Dude, who cares? It, you know, you need to get a goal. And I, I wanted to quibble with one thing that you said, you know, with Dave Tippett, the goaltending is not his choice. I, I don't buy that. Actually, Dave Tippett is a big reason why Mike Smith is an Edmonton oiler. A big, big reason. He he, that's been his guy, almost his entire coaching career in the NHL. Yeah, no, that's Dallas stars, Arizona coyotes, Edmonton oilers. He doesn't end up there. I don't think if, if Dave Tippett, isn't the Oilers head coach. Yeah. well and Smith was you got to remember Smith was excellent for the orders last year. He's amazing. And, and I'm not uh, but I'm I'm just saying you can't take the good part no. and not also get the bad part too. Okay, that's fair. Uh, the the Smith signing though,
1: I looked at it. I think like I don't think Smith was their first choice this offseason. I you know he the, wasn't their first. Yeah, choice. the day at the day he signed on the 16th of July, they'd had two weeks. They'd been trying to sign other guys. Right. So obviously they tried. And as you said, Hey, trying's great, but if you don't get it, well, then you have to come back to it. Obviously I know people say, well, he's 39. He had to get injured. I don't really buy that. I can look around the league. There's lots of older players that don't get injured. Right. And
2: there's and lots of He doesn't have a players. long injury history. It's more been fluky than anything else. Yeah. Especially like the this- first injury that he had, they didn't even really know what was wrong with him. Yeah. Bruised uh, like a deep bone bruise is what I heard that took forever. And the but nothing thumb, that showed up on an MRI, like yeah. the, they were looking at it saying, we're not seeing anything here. Like there's no structural damage, no ligament damage. Like what's happening Yeah. So, but
1: so let's say you fire the coach and, and the most obvious, if they do that, do you agree most, that that that's the, like what they have to do something? I believe, well, it's either you either
2: fire the coach or you acquire a goaltender. It's one of the, those are the only two options I see. What was the jersey count last night? I know that's a funny question to ask, but that actually matters. How many? Yeah, jerseys it was. Were thrown on it was ice? three. Uh, I will say this though, like there. Why
1: is that a thing? It's the worst thing. I'm just gonna say it. Like, it's embarrassing. You're. you're it's you throw a jersey on the ice. Like, give me a, first of all, okay. The first time it happened, maybe you're like, okay, that's different. But now it's like, huh, I'm going to throw a Jersey. I can't think of anything unique. And the, and the funny thing is for the fans who get caught. And I was told that there were the, cause two came on right after the goal, the last goal. And uh, those two people got caught um, and uh, they got escorted out. They're probably banned based on previous. The third one then came on the opposite side of the ice, just as the puck was about to drop. And I was told by fans that no security saw who that person was. So that person two minutes later just walked out of the rink like everybody else. So uh two out of the three, likely based on past history, you throw a jersey, you get caught, they ban you because right on your ticket it says, you know, there's certain things that you're not supposed to do. Now it doesn't say throw a jersey, but it does say you're not supposed to throw anything on the ice. So yeah, I but don't that's four why.
2: Canadian teams this year where their fans yeah. have thrown a, a jersey on the ice. Yeah, it's a first terrible off, f- I've jersey. never, I'd never tell anyone how to act at a game you paid for the ticket. It's your right to boo. It's your right to be upset with whatever happened, but how dumb do you look? You you paid all that money for your ticket, all that money for your Jersey. And now you're just going to throw it on the ice. Like, you know, the sad part is teams have actually been reactive to it and have made personnel changes based on optics like that. The Canucks, it was Saturday night against Pittsburgh fans were chanting fire Benning and they threw jerseys on the ice. The next day, Jim Benning's gone. The Toronto Maple Leafs back in whatever year it was, you know, chanting about Ron Wilson, getting fired, Jersey thrown on the ice. He's fired. Teams react to it. The Montreal Canadians made their GM change this year. The Habs Leafs, Canucks and Oilers have all had jerseys thrown on the ice this year. Don't know why that's a thing, but it is. And oddly teams react to it. And so fans probably keep doing it. Well, like the fact that the Leafs had it is odd to me considering the record ridiculous. Is it like,
1: that is the Leafs one makes no sense. Like they're a really good team. Like and trust me, Montreal, Edmonton and Vancouver fans wish their team was as good as Toronto right now. So it'll be interesting what happens uh, with Dave Tippett uh, moving forward. No question. Um, the other big news this week, Frank, of course, the uh, schedule came out. And uh, they're, they're plugging in the majority of the games in that uh, that two-week window. Uh, you know, you look at, um, like, Ottawa, the Islanders, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, teams who had significant amount of games postponed. They have a really condensed schedule. And, and then, it, like, you really see the difference. Like, I see in the Pacific Division right now, Anaheim and San Jose, they've played, like, six more games than Edmonton and Cal- Actually, seven more than Calgary now. And um, you look, th- when they come out of the All-Star break, the Sharks have the full week off the full week of the seventh off because they played fewer games. And meanwhile, you know, the orders and the flames are are crunching like eight games in 13 days and, and stuff like that. So the the games in hand aren't nearly as beneficial as they normally would for those teams. It's been a benefit if you're a team who's played more games now, because you don't have a
2: ridiculous schedule. That's like 40 games in 80 days. Mm -hmm. Yep. And how about the Ottawa Senators, jammed with eleven games in a span where they can have no fans? Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, they're not happy. They're sitting no. here going, like, well, what are we supposed to do? You rescheduled all these games. Like, I think in an odd way, and the league would never say this. Obviously, the schedule ends up being the schedule. You know, I'm sure they were trying to accommodate as much as they can. But they're like, the Sens are one of the lowest revenue producing teams in the league anyway. What's the difference? Just play the game. Stop whining. Yeah. Oh, hey, it's still it's going to be
1: fascinating how that Impacts, uh, you know, the, the bottom line of the league again this year. Now, it is only the seven markets in Canada. Um, now, Edmonton's at 50 percent, uh, Calgary's at 50 percent, uh, BC's going to be, see theirs. I, I saw the date, uh, Ontario gets up to 50 starting in February and then maybe full by the one time month they, from today. Yeah, so, um, it's it is. It'll be curious how that impacts the escrow because we all know how much money the players had to pay back, and they were hoping that that would be only a, over a two year window. That might be extending to three now.
2: Yeah, I think it might be extended longer than that. Um, it's not just that these seven Canadian teams. You know. You know. I know you phrased it that way. It's the seven Canadian teams. I think account for more than 40% of the league's total gate revenue. It's it's the Oilers have some of the highest ticket prices in the league. The, the Leafs obviously are one of the top revenue generators, the Montreal Canadians in a year where they've been, you know, played games without fans at bell center. their their team is also bad at the same time. There's not even a, a rush to get back to the game when they finally are allowed to have fans back in again. So it's, um, this is pretty significant for the NHL in terms of a revenue, you know, flashpoint, and it's actually significant for the on-ice product as well because they need to get back to 4.8 billion, which is where they were trending towards before the pause in 2019-20, in order for the salary cap to go up one million dollar next year to 82.5. I know it doesn't sound like a big difference from 81.5 to 82.5, but for every team, that's one more roster spot.
1: Oh, it's, it's massive. And, you know, you mentioned Montreal. They got the news. Jake Allen's now out eight weeks um, only the, for the first time ever in franchise history. They've allowed uh, 50 shots in consecutive games. Montembeau was excellent last night. He kept them in the game yeah, it's uh, a shame until, they, until they lost in overtime in Vegas. But, man, they, they look like they are uh, trending strongly, Frank, to have the best odds to uh, to pick number one overall. And, uh, hey, the, the draft is a crapshoot at best. Like, there is the odd time when you get an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid. David go back to Crosby and Ovechkin. Sure. But, you know, Patrick Kane, but there's a lot of times that the number one, isn't clearly the best player. And uh, you look at this year and, you know, with a lot of those players missing games last year because of COVID and everything like that, like I'm fascinated by the draft this coming season and how it impacts those teams, you know, Arizona, you know, Arizona's basically whole plan Frank has been to build through the draft. And and the draft this year, I still think, might be more of a crapshoot than ever.
2: I I agree with you. By the way, it's in Montreal, so it would be kind of crazy if Montreal ended up getting the first overall pick. Um, What a kind of celebration that would be in in Montreal in July. Bob McKenzie had his draft rankings yesterday and and went through the whole thing in the show. And Shane Wright is still the consensus number one, but it's, it's, it's open. It's not like he's so he's locked it down as we have these last six months to go before the draft. It's, it's still up for grabs and everyone's called it the race for Shane, Wright. I don't know that it'll end up being that. No, oh, no, not at all. I'm with you wholeheartedly. I think you could easily see some changes uh, atop it. Now, uh, by the, the way, fl- I like the for fans listening, um, I love, really like the description from Craig Button on the show. And I'd love to get the TSN director of scouting on our pod again to talk. But, you know, the way he framed Shane Wright was a star, but not a superstar, a really good player, but not a generational, not anything like that.
1: No, and, and those are hard. Like those, you you look at a lot of drafts where, uh, you know, you have really good players, but like McDavid's and Matthews and those guys, you know, obviously Crosby, etc. Like those are rare, right? Like look at like Alex Lafreniere's been a good player so far in his young career, but not dominant uh, right away. We'll see if Owen Power will, will be that guy or not. Rasmus Dahlin, good player, excellent goal the, the last night, by the way. But it, I think sometimes you know you. you to, um, the draft is great and you have to build to the draft, but my goodness, you got to get a little bit of lucky because you can talk all you want when you're doing your list and every year, and I've talked to guys who do it, when you get to your list and you're, let's say, frankly, they're just, okay, here's Frank Saravali and here's Jason Gregor, and here's Tyler Remchuk, and all three scouts will have them ranked one, two, three in a very different order. And it could be like, there's McDavid's are easy. And when you get to the second and the third round, my goodness, it's it's a real crapshoot. And you look, and I think now more than ever, I've been noticing lately at the draft the last few years, Frank, the, the, the amount of picks that it differentiates and you're getting more from later rounds. I think it just illustrates that it's, it's getting harder and harder. And you have to ensure that your scouts are adapting to new things and don't
2: get caught in a, I only like this type player. This draft actually reminds me a little bit of the Nolan Patrick draft from a few years ago. We spent so many years talking about Nolan Patrick, Nolan Patrick, Nolan Patrick going to be the number one. Obviously, he had injury issues in junior hockey, ends up going number two, Nico um, But the, the two best players in the draft yes. went after them in the yeah. car and Heiskanen. So yeah. um, it does feel a little bit like that, that there's been so much attention paid to Shane Wright over the last number of years that. You know, what if he ends up not going number one? No, and I'll say this: this might be the year. If your team's in the draft lottery and you
1: don't pick number one, I don't think that that's going to crush you and guarantee that you're going to have you're you're missing out on a guaranteed player. I think it's going to come down to organizations and who they like better. And you know, it could be fascinating that you might see some movement at the top of the trade board, which you normally don't see.
2: So, is this a weird question to ask? That is that sort of idea that we end up talking about one player for a number of years. Is that a Canadian slant thing? Like, is that because Shane Wright was granted exceptional status because Nolan Patrick was, you know, just so highly sought after talked about, like, where does that come from? Oh, hey! For, I, I think you that, rarely Canada hear about sure. it for
1: European players. I, I think it's a big north. I'm going to say I'm going to go farther and say it's a North American thing because and I understand why, you know, you got Canadian people and then you got Americans. And so you look like when Patrick Kane was getting drafted, Austin Matthews, there's a lot of hype about those guys. And I, and I understand it. It's mainly a North American league. But if you go back like Alex Ovechkin now has getting has been getting a lot of love more than ever. Well, you go back and you look at the first 10 years of his career and there was way more que- ah, he can't do it, you know, and he's not Sidney Crosby. Well, you don't ever hear anybody say Austin Matthews isn't Connor McDavid very often to the level that you do. And I, so I think it's a North American. People might not want to agree, but I think there's definitely a subconscious bias uh, in favor of North American players for a lot of It has of to be. I, why, I mean, why else would we spend all this time talking about them? Yeah, so uh, definitely there. And that's why, hey, looking ahead to the 2023 draft, and I saw both of them at the World Juniors, uh, Michkoff and, and Bedard. Oh, my goodness. The only, the only and, and I think it's a legit reason. I think the reason why Michkoff won't go as high, even if he's better, is because he's under contract for three more years. Right. Yeah. And that, that is not available to come till 26, which, by the way. Might not be the worst thing in the world I, I would i've argued it for years i've made the arguments i've written articles i write them every year because the nhl draft should move back a year it's the easiest most simple decision they could make and it would be much better from a marketing tool it, you would have less misses and it would be better for everybody involved they'll never do it because they had an opportunity last year and they didn't worked out pretty well for kirill kaprizov <laughs> yes yeah staying over late bang on frank bang on uh let's bring in uh, tyler your Remchuk. T.Y., how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. And I'm here with another edition
0: of Fill in the Blank for our friends over at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use the promo code RUNDOWNDD. Gets you 25% off and no, no delivery fees on your first order. And even if it's not your first order, I mean, come on. Who wants to cook? It's a Friday. Let's go. All right. Jumping into it. First uh, fill-in-the-blank question I got for you. Heard a little bit of talk this week. uh, Actually, you guys hit on it just a couple of minutes ago. The Montreal Canadiens. I want to talk a little about what they could do heading into the trade deadline now that they have a new GM. So your question is, the biggest name that the Montreal Canadiens will move before the deadline is
1: blank. Gregor? Ooh, man, that's, well, wow. Ben Chirot's the easy answer there. Um, Because I think there's lots of, the type of defenseman he is, the size of a defenseman he is, he's a pending UFA. So yeah, I'll take the low-hanging fruit. It's the easy one. I think it's Ben Chirot.
2: Okay, I haven't had a chance to update my story yet. But the player that I believe is most in demand from the Montreal Canadiens is Arturi Lekinen. Ooh. Teams see Arturi Lekkinen as this year's version of Blake Coleman. He does, you know, the scouting report on Arturi Lekkinen is he does just about everything in his game exceptionally well, except finish, which is ironic because he is finish. And that's the guy that teams are really after to get. Hmm. All right. I know at least three teams that are begging the Montreal Canadiens to try and get Arturi Lekkinen.
0: Okay. He's a pending RFA at the end of this huh. season. Well, Those
1: guys make more sense because you can have them for more than one run, right? Like that's yeah. what Coleman and uh, Goudreau did for the uh, Tampa Bay lightning. Yeah. Uh, next one up. Another trade one. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury
0: will be a blank on the day after the trade deadline. Frank, thank you. Colorado much.
2: avalanche. Ooh, that's the old, that's Okay. So there's been lots of talk about Marc-Andre Fleury. Will he go to the Oilers? Will he go here? Will he go there? This is going to be a curated selection. Marc-Andre Fleury is not going anywhere where he doesn't want to go. I believe, and it's been reported elsewhere, that there's an agreement in place, a gentleman's agreement between the Chicago Blackhawks and Marc-Andre Fleury as part of this idea to have him move his family to Chicago and continue his career. Remember, he was waffling should I retire or not? Am I going to play this season that they weren't going to move him unless he wanted to being in the final year of his deal. And I think a lot of people have wondered about Pittsburgh. They're fine with Tristan Jari. I think there's also a sense of like, you know, no offense to Pittsburgh, but been there, done that Uh, loves, loves it. There loves the guys. I think the place that ultimately, you know, makes a lot of players curious is the Colorado avalanche. Mm. Ooh, man. Darcy Kemper's turned his game around, but he just got a concussion.
1: I'm going to go with uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise. I'm going to say the Washington Capitals. I'm not sure they're sold on going with, uh, with two young guys in the postseason. So that would be my, that's my little bit of a wild card team. I've You know, there's lots of teams that just that are in the running that doesn't make sense. They've got goaltending that they like. And I'm not saying Washington doesn't like their goaltending, but I think uh, a veteran player uh, as a, one of their two goalies, I will go with them. All right. Third one I got for you guys. Uh, all three Western Canadian
0: teams or three of the four Western Canadian teams, I should say, Vancouver excluded are kind of struggling right now. You got Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg's only got four wins in their last 10 and they lost to Nashville last night. The team you're most confident can snap out of their struggles. The quickest
2: is blank. Frank. Calgary, I think, cause they're the most structured team. Okay.
1: Yeah. There's too much uncertainty in Edmonton because you don't know who's their coach. Will they get a goaltender soon? Um, So yeah, I probably would, I would agree with Frank. Plus the flames are playing the orders on Saturday. So that might be a benefit for them.
2: I've been confounded by the jets all year. Like, I don't know. There's nothing missing on that team. What's their deal. Well, they've had, you know what injuries and now they got another one. Nick Ehlers is out. It's been brutal, but like, come on. Like at some point they're not like, they're, they're barely treading water.
0: And other teams have found a way to win despite injuries as well, right? Injuries
2: it, it, and COVID and yeah. everything else. I guess there's been teams that have been rocked just as hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, fourth one I got for you before we get to our bonus question, Tom Wilson laid one of the best body checks. I have seen this season last night in their game against the Boston Bruins. So I want you to give me one word to describe the big hit Tom Wilson laid last night,
1: Jason. Um, I will say
2: textbook. Ooh, I like that. I will say punishing. All right. But I wanted to say unnecessary. Unnecessary. Really? I thought that was Why, just a like, great hit. Okay. So let's walk back Tom Wilson and his history. We all know what his rap sheet looks like. Yeah. Why even put yourself in the position? don't he that's just a good hard body I, check I though know, uh, no, maybe I he's know. changed
0: maybe he knows when to pick his spots now
2: i don't buy that for one second <laughs> okay I, I just don't i i think you see him deliver a hit like that and the thought process that goes into delivering a hit like that mm-hmm. what if it's a half second later it's interference is yeah. it not
0: yeah probably
2: textbook fine I just don't know why you'd put yourself in the position to to feel the need to throw that big of a hit. Maybe it's just that Tom Wilson's bigger and stronger than everyone else and better looking than everyone else. I don't know what it is, but I, I, I see that and I just go like, why? Well, I think because the reason why is Tom
1: Wilson, that's a dimension that makes him valuable. And if he can, if he can maintain a physical presence without being a suspendable presence, then he becomes even more valuable to your team. And Teams so uh, are
2: scared of Tom Wilson, whether he throws that hit or not.
1: True. But it's always a good reminder. I think, Hey, keep your head up. But the, the thing that I liked last night, um, cause nothing bothered. And I get it's Tom Wilson's reputation again. They didn't but overreact on that, hit, on that hit alone. Everyone's like, well, that's a clean hit. So good, because clean hits shouldn't always lead to fisticuffs. Mm-hmm. I get that Tom Wilson has a, has a pass and everything, but that, that one is separate, pass is the pass. If Tom Wilson keeps hitting like that moving forward, no one should have an issue. And, and if anything, it should be encouraged. It's, I had Radko Gudis on my show this week talking about, you know, he's got 40 more hits than any other defenseman in the NHL. Like, it's hard to, to hit guys in today's game. And he even says, he goes, the game's faster. You know, it's really hard. You, you got to walk the line. You don't want to get suspended. But if you're a player that can add that element to their game, like that, and we talked earlier about the draft, Frank. I think that's what separates a guy. You look Because there's a lot of guys that you don't know how good they're going to be. But if a person has another dimension to their game that can add them. And because something like that hit that, that gets your team. Let's say the team's in a funk and they're kind of whatever you have one hit. It's like a Connor McDavid end to end goal. It gets everybody fired up. Well, that Tom
2: Wilson hit gets his team fired up. If he can keep, continue to do it cleanly. I, I still get the comments from people. Hey, snowflake, like I, I love hitting. I love physicality. I just, for a guy that has all the eyeballs on him, I guess I just wonder how necessary it is. Fair.
0: That's all. All right, uh, your last one, your points bet bonus question. First off, their video they got up with the Trailer Park Boys. I'm still watching it. It's absolutely uh, hilarious what they did there. You got Paul Coffee out there dangling around bubbles. Hilarious stuff from points bet. Anyways, uh, the odds to win the president's trophy have been updated. Right now, the NHL standings uh, by points percentage, Frank, don't worry. Colorado and Carolina are tied for the top spot. Then it goes Florida, Tampa Bay, and the New York Rangers. The odds, though, you got Colorado at plus 200. And then right behind them, you got Florida at plus 350. You got Tampa at plus 550, Carolina at plus 600, and the Leafs at plus 700. The Rangers are down at 33 to 1. My question is if I gave you a free $100 bet based on those odds I rattled off, who would you be betting on to win the President's Trophy, Frank? Carolina. All right. Taking Carolina. Odds makers
2: hate the Hurricanes. I don't know why. They also. I don't think they love them to win the division either. um the odds at least aren't you know they're fine, but not as good as they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for that is the hurricanes haven't really faltered all year. yeah, they have been a machine. they haven't had these crazy swings of ups and downs, and I don't know, they've just been consistent. I still think Colorado wins it, but if you're asking me to make a bet, make a wager. I want a little bit more than two to one. So, um, Carolina would be my team six
0: to See one it? chase the juice.
2: And this is one
1: where if it's free hundred dollars, so I, I'm not technically losing anything. Cause I haven't, no. this isn't my own money. Mm-hmm. So I would then go, I'm going all in, I would go on the Rangers at 33 to one because I'm like, you know what, if I win, it's so much worth it. We're 3,300 bucks compared to 200, even though I know 200 is better than zero, I still like the I still like the chance. I'll go Tom Wilson there and go thirty-three to one because yeah, there's a risk of me potentially being suspended <laughs> and not winning, but there's a big reward for delivering. <laughs> oh,
2: delivered it. by DoorDash. Well done.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
2: Delivered by DoorDash. That's another edition of fill in the blanks. you guys, uh, but so here's my thing on the Rangers though. Like they've been there in points percentage all year in the sevens. It feels like. Why are they 33 to one?
1: Like, like what well, does Vegas why.
2: know that we don't? That's what I always no. ask myself. No. What does Vegas know that I don't? That's totally valid, man. Um, the thing about
1: the Rangers that intrigues me is look at the amount of cap space they have compared to all the other top teams. And I I, like the Rangers are poised to be the team. If if there is a player that financially like they can other teams might. Well, geez, you're going to have to keep half. We'll have to give you an extra pick or something like that, whatever. But, you know, the Rangers have the opportunity. They could make multiple deals if they wanted to, because they're one of the few teams that has any legit cap space. I think they will make multiple deals now
2: that I also have a lot of tradable assets. Yeah. And they got, you they've got and their, Frank they've got their picks, they've got young players, they've got prospects, they've got a, a backup goalie that could that a lot of teams view as a starter. Like they've also got dead cap money that's coming off the books this year. Like they're gonna have even more cap space in the summer. Yes. Yeah, no, they they're they're shaping up. uh, Hey, Jeff Gordon, you did pretty good. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, you know they're
1: now Adam Fox is up though, so that he's going to take a big chunk. They already re-signed him. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. Sorry, he's already. uh, But but he's but it kicks in right, and it takes up
2: uh, significant money, doesn't it? Yeah, it takes up nine and a half. I believe. Okay, there, yeah, so yeah, he signed nine and a half times seven. So, but still, when you look at their cap commitment for next season. Uh, they've got 68 million committed with Fox already signed. 68 yeah. out of 82.5. The guys that are UFA are Strom, which is important. Yes. Georgiev is an RFA. And then everyone else is kind of, you know, not going to require a huge ticket. Capo Caco is an RFA. Uh, Julian Gauthier is an RFA. He's not going to be expensive. Libor Hayek, not expensive. Greg McKegg and Kevin Rooney are their UFAs. They're, they're, you know, plug and play players. I mean, they're in a fantastic position. They've got all of their draft picks except for a third, but they have two seconds and two fourths. And as I mentioned, the dead cap money, 4.5 uh, is this year's dead cap money. Next year's 3.5, and then there's none after that. So it drops 1 million. Okay. Yeah, um Georgiev is the uh, when you look at a at a young goalie that a lot of
1: people are high on and talked to Kevin Woodley from Ingold magazine, lots of lots of the goalie guys are are quite high on him. I like that's a perfect trade piece, Frank. Like you look and say, hey, we can get a good backup, but we don't need like Shesterkin, I think has proven he's a legit starter. I don't think there's much doubt about that. So do you And he need- signed to an
2: awesome contract?
1: Yes, yes. So you you could you could move Georgiev and get some legitimate pieces back to help you. I don't think there's any question. I think now the, the, and honestly, Frank, I would be willing to do that at the deadline. If I'm the Rangers, as long as I'm getting a good serviceable backup, right. I don't, I don't need a a legit young guy to be my backup. But if I'm the Oilers, that's the guy I'd want. Well, hundred percent. But what does Edmonton have? That's like, you look at what does Edmonton have that the Rangers will want? Right. That's that's the challenge. Like, I guess, yes, a pull maybe. But, you know, oh, Evan hard. Bouchard and Edmonton's not really in a position to trade him. The mm-hmm. other guys that Edmonton's best tradable pieces are all young. The Rangers are are entering win now. They're going to want veterans, guys who are proven. So I don't not sure because trust me,
2: I've looked at it and I don't. Would you trade it. the Oilers first round pick for Dior Not saying the Rangers want that, but would you? Yeah, I would. Yes. 100%. I, I think you, ha- I think you would have to, because he's young and he can be your yes. goalie of the future. Like that's yes. the other part of the Oilers equation. It's not just that they don't have anyone now. Do you like, how certain are you? That Skinner is going to be the number one later. Yeah. I honestly goaltending for me, Frank,
1: I've, I've given up on trying to predict goaltenders. It's too difficult. They're voodoo. Uh, some that you think look great. And then Bennington comes out of nowhere. Like it's, there are some obvious ones like Carey Price from a young age and Mark Andre Fleury, sure, but you know, and Vasilevsky was a top-ranked pick, but you know, even Kosa and Wallstead last year, people are like, "Well, they're going to be the best goalies." I'm like, "Are you sure? Like, are you really sure?" I can't
2: say that with certainty. Goalies uh, are just. I mean, look at all up. the other bumbled first-round picks, like forwards and defensemen. Like, why? Wow. Like, at least yeah. goalies the the most important position on the ice. Yeah, <laughs> that, well, it it so is.
1: And, and last night I, I saw it, and I think sometimes like, and if Edmonton does change their coach, with I think it's very possible. It doesn't change the fact that now you might get a bump, but does that mean your goalie's magically going to make more saves? Like Miko Koskinen is what he is, and and when I saw Bobrovsky last night, he is he's a legit starter who can steal you games. Right. And sometimes steal you periods, because when you say six, nothing, you're going to say, well, he didn't win in the game. I'm like, but he did in the first period because he kept it zero zero. You're not playing from behind. Then you get a power play goal like that is such an advantage. And when you don't have it, right, like you look at Demko in Vancouver, right? Like everyone's like, yeah, Bruce Brutel. Look at Demko's numbers, man. They're unreal. Yeah. Like, unreal. That's why they're winning a lot. Sure, the coaching change helps, and he's made some moves, and it helps that Elias Pettersson. Like, Vancouver was the perfect spot for a coaching change to work because their best players weren't their best players or playing up to their potential, and now they are. I know McDavid's gone pointless in three games, but him and him and Drysaddle are still top four in, in league scoring. Um, yeah. How much better can your best players be? That's the challenge of whoever takes over Edmonton. they got to get better defensively in goaltending, and it's hard to get better goaltending, Unless Mike Smith gets healthy. That's their
2: only hope. I think right now. And that's a, that's a, 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 hope and a prayer right now, which is again, I guess, bringing it back to the coaching change or if there's going to be one, like, does that make it harder or easier to make one? <laughs> well, here's almost thing. like, that's the one thing you can change immediately. You could also trade for a goalie, but I, I think they've sized up the market and no one's really getting them excited. Like, if
1: we go back and you, and that's why I mentioned like Ken Holland ultimately is the one who's who didn't get the goaltenders. At the end of the day, we, we can say that Dave Tippett had some insight on Mike Smith originally. But last summer, clearly they were looking elsewhere first. It didn't work out. Right. So if you're the GM in the, your it's mind, you're like, you. yeah. So if I fire the coach, I'm firing for something that I was unable to do. And I wonder if that leads to hesitation to say I owe it to him to get a goalie first. I wonder if that's part of his thinking. Could be. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. So Frank, glad to see you're uh, doing better. Hopefully uh, there will be uh, no repeat performance of yesterday and uh, you're off your bass through the, uh, the worst times. And once again, people, Frank loves it. So be sure to tweet him at Frank Sarabali, your suggestions on how to beat COVID. He's very much looking forward to read those. So. Yeah. I'll take whatever you got. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, uh, have a great weekend. Also coming up on Monday's pod, um, the head coach, of uh, the women's hockey team for uh, Team USA. They're defending the gold medal at the Olympics. They got lots of veterans coming back. Hillary Knight's going for a fourth time. Uh, Joel Johnson will uh, join us on Monday's pod. I'm looking forward to that, let's be honest, Frank. We all know who's gonna, well, the gold medal game. It's gonna be Canada and US in women's hockey. It's been electric for uh, for decades. And uh, I'm really curious to, to hear how it's gonna go and uh, what the uh, what the preparation is now. It's a little bit different, I think, when you're the
2: defending champ. Yeah, no question about that. We'll see. Uh, Women's hockey is going to be the most watched hockey at Beijing. For sure. Have a good weekend.
1: Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Sarah Valley and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash.
0: Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K, now on KO.